penalty. It's Rapino against Van Feenendaal. It's 1-0. The USA won. The Netherlands nil. Foul, the game's opening up. Rosa foul. Lovely run. Great goal. Brilliant goal. Rosa foul might have won the World Cup for the United States. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. And for the very first time, they've done it on European soil. It is finished at the Stade de Lyon in the final in victory and joy for the United States. Hey everyone, welcome to Settle the Score. I'm Allison. I'm Madeline. Uh, do you want to add a, a warning of sorts, Madeline, you said? Yes, I just want this. to let everybody know, content warning, we will be talking about sexual assault on this episode. So if that is triggering for you or you just don't want to do that right now, I would suggest turning this off. Yeah, come back to us next time. We'll be talking about hopefully some sweet, sweet soccer as it's played on the field. I wish we were talking about something less horrible, but unfortunately today we are going to be talking about the NWSL's complete and utter collapse in the face of uh, finding out that Paul Riley is a rapist. Yeah. I mean, so I'm assuming, you know, everyone that listens to this podcast, pretty big fan of women's soccer, you're probably all very aware of the... Um, Atlantic article um, by Athletic. Meg- Athletic? What did I say? Atlantic, which is a very different. <laughs> That's kind a of very different magazine. So sorry, the Athletic. They're all about honestly sports. though. The Atlantic should do a piece on this, which is part <laughs> of the problem. Um, thank you, the Athletic um, by Meg. Um, she did a fantastic job writing this article. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I think probably most of you have either read it or have gotten kind of the gist. There have been a lot of interviews um, there. You know, the Today Show um, had everyone on um, just recently. So there's been a lot of there's been a lot of coverage. Um, and unfortunately, that's one of the things that some folks have been you know complaining about a bit by every major news media outlet. You know, has been picked up this story. And unfortunately, they don't talk about the good stuff coming out of this league, um, the players, the games, that kind of stuff. And that's been frustrating, I know, for a lot of people. But. Um, this is really important, and it has been widely covered. So I think I think that is important. Um, yeah, Madeline, do you want to start off just by talking about initially hearing this news break? Yes, I found out the day after it broke because I try not to go on Twitter too much, and I love to log on to my women's soccer Twitter to just kind of get a break from work and enjoy some soccer news and check in on my favorite badass gals. And I pulled it up and then was just suddenly shocked and confused and immediately just incredibly guilty. It was kind of ironic just in the games the weekend before I had been watching the I had been watching the spirit uh, play, not the spirit. The courage. The courage. Our brains today. (laughs) And uh, Dara was like, ugh, who's that creepy guy on the screen? (laughs) 
And I was like, Tara, he's not creepy. That's Paul Riley. He's like the best coach in the league. Like he should have been the national team. But like he's a, he's an incredible coach. Uh, wow. So I think that kind of puts it in perspective. And I think obviously this summer, a lot of bad behavior came to light. But I think this one felt like such a gut punch when I saw it because Paul Riley, I guess, kind of had been known as such a winner and as such a good coach. And I'd heard players I really respect talking about how he had so much he had helped their careers, like Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis have nothing but praise for Paul Riley on their podcast. And so to hear the seriousness of what had happened to his victims, uh, to these survivors, and and thinking back on Monashim's career and being puzzled by it, um, and Fairley's career and being puzzled by it, and it suddenly all made sense um, in just the worst way. I, I just had this sinking feeling that if this was true, then I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was. Uh, and yeah, it, it just, it felt awful as a fan to take that all in. How, how, are, how are you feeling? I felt like it was, I, it almost made sense in a way for this league right now. I feel like we have been working our way towards kind of a reckoning. And that's what I think I've heard this term a couple times now. Um, I mean, and gosh, in light of 2020 and moving into 2021, we're really in this period of time in the world where a lot of stuff is coming to light and we are really, we're learning about ourselves in a new way, I think. And I think for, for the NWSL in the past year and a half, we've seen so much, um, change. We've seen so much abuse. We've seen so much kind of devastation, uh, usually at the hands of these players. Um, and it's been really unsettling. And I feel like we have frankly been moving towards this type of a bomb drop. Um, and I, my hope is that this will actually change the league and affect true change throughout the league for the better. Um, now that these women have had, um, the courage to come forward and have been given a platform. So in my mind, I was almost like, yep, that sounds right. And I, I, that's horrible that my reaction is like, yep, there we are because I was waiting for it. I was waiting for that shoe to drop in a way. And that's what it's felt like the past, you know, six months or so leading up with, with the end of with all of these other coaches we've seen ousted with all of this other front office staff we've seen ousted. Like, I feel like we've been moving towards it. And I just want to mention something briefly. You said, you know, you're talking about Lynn Williams and Sam, you know, how they had previously praised Paul Riley and stuff, you know, for what he had done for their careers. I think that, um, that was probably valid. I think that he was smart enough and, and it's addressed in the athletic article that he stayed away from the national team players because in a way, you know, he didn't pull them. He didn't manipulate them because he knew he couldn't because they did not depend on him for their career. They did not depend on him for their salary. They did not need him in the same way that some of these other players who were really young and coming up in the system needed him and depended on him. He was 
I mean, that's the definition of a predator, right? He can identify those that he can take advantage of it and do it. Um, it It is so, so shocking how much of a professional predator he seems he like. Yes. I, there are so many more countless victims that he has, I'm sure, from his entire life. And because he he was so good at being manipulative. And I feel so, so sorry for these national team players because they are part of that manipulation, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just hope that they don't blame themselves and can support their teammates at the same time and help everyone move on. But I just, I feel so wrecked for them too. What a horrible, horrible place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, talking about how, how we got here, I just, you know, they, in the beginning of the article, um, Meg kind of outlines uh, a lot of what's transpired in the past year, year and a half or so with a lot of the other coaches that have been either fired or let go, quote unquote, for cause. Also, can I get a definition on for cause? Like, oh meaning they gosh. don't want to say, right? That basically it's yeah. frustrating. It's a it's a culture of silence. It really is. And obviously I want to protect the victims and if that is their choice, you know, they don't want um I they they obviously that's we want to protect the victims first and foremost. Um but at the same time, I think it's actually leading to this pervasive systemic abuse because we're not learning the reasons why these people are being let go or being fired. I mean, in a couple of ways we are, but for the most part, we're not. I mean, we still don't know. Um, we still don't know. I mean, Richie Burke let go for cause, right? Christy Holly let go for cause. And Elise LaHue, I don't think I heard the for cause, but she was removed and we know nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Deloy Hansen, we know a little bit more of why he was let go um, or fired. And then Craig Harrington is another. So there have been so many in the last year. I think that's in the last year and a half, right, that have been terminated. Um, So I think that, you know, it's just it's been this culture. And now we're seeing this man who has been, you know, he was with one team. He was abusive with one team and he was removed from the thorns uh, and then picked right back up five months later. I mean, that's, that's insane. Everyone knew. Everyone knew those women were in danger. I'm sure in their minds they didn't see it as the women being in danger. I'm sure in their minds it was, oh, Paul's a bad boy, but he'll certainly behave better after he gets a st-. No, this man is a sexual predator. You let him loose on another group of women. Without so much as a slap on the hand, as far as I understand. I hope those people can't sleep at night. And every single person who knew needs to sell their stake in their team or be fired from their job in the NWSL. Lisa Barrett and the other woman who were fired or quit, that's not enough. Merritt Paulson has to go. Everyone involved in the Thorns at that time has to go. Anybody who knew at the courage has to go. All of these people must be fired or that will not be accountability. Yes. I mean, the courage hired 
him having, I mean, the results of this investigation, I was, they, it reads as if they knew they saw the results of the investigation and they hired him anyways. Like that, I can't understand that. <laughs> and then you let him take the team on a team retreat to his house. Right. After knowing what has happened at said team retreats. It's, uh, it's really, it's insane. I think, I think one of the things that's really hard, I, Madeline, you played, you know, sports growing up. Did you have your coaches that just, that meant a lot to you? What was your relationship with coaches growing up? Um, I don't think I ever, I, I had some good coach. I don't want to say anything bad about my coaches. <laughs> I, I think my biggest mentors were mostly teachers. So I might teachers. not be like the right person to ask that question to. I think I had a very close relationship with one of my coaches and it definitely transformed me into the player I was and into the person I am today. And it was a very wonderful relationship. And I am so grateful for that relationship. And she's still a friend to this day. Um, We're still very close. Um, And so I think that that player coach relationship, like it can be something really special and transformative and, it's tough because, you know, you, you do spend a lot of time together and they do want to, um, know a little bit about what's going on in your life and be there to support you and make sure that you're playing your best. This is in this case on the court. Uh, and so it's, it, it is a prime. It seems like it's a very easy space, uh, for bad people to get in and manipulate. Like it's, it's a prime setting for that to happen, um, with the wrong person, because I think that, well, as you see here, like, you know, with, uh, fairly talking about how he wanted to know what was going on in her life and support her and, you know, how you, how, what's going on off the field can impact what's going on on the fields and all of this stuff. Like as I'm reading this, and especially if you're 21 or 22 or, you know, starting out in your career, it is so easy to be taken advantage of because you see this as, you know, this is where I want to go. This person can get me there. This person has my best interest at heart. And when that person is not, uh, pure and not honest and not good, it is so easy for that entire relationship to become just a manipulation. Um, so I, I feel heartbroken because I can see how even relationships that I have had with coaches could have turned and could have gone bad had those people been bad people. I mean, (laughs) simple as that. It is so shocking to me how she turned down the opportunity to go to the World Cup. Blown away. I think that just speaks to the depths of his Control. manipulation and going back to what you said of a coach taking advantage of what should be a good supportive relationship. It is just so shocking. Right. To tell someone who's, I mean, in theoretically like the goal the reason why you play for club is your hope to play for country one day I mean and not not the sole reason right but like that's most of these women I'm guessing that's that's the epitome that's the goal that's the dream and to tell a player that you know you're not going to play for the national team unless I'm the coach like what (laughs) that is beyond also it scares me how close like he was in the running 
right? Well, like, that actually is one of another one of the worst facts about it to me because I remember when Vlatko got it, I was sort of like, why didn't Paul Riley get it? And I think we know the reason now, which to me means U.S. soccer knew. Yeah, they knew. They knew. They all knew. They built the league. They built the culture of silence. U.S. soccer is a horror show. Sunil Gulati was a horror show. They're still a horror show. Sorry, Cindy yeah. Parlo Cohn. You have to go. They all have to go. Yeah. Accountability doesn't mean that they need to go to prison or something. Like, that's not what accountability is. Accountability is everyone who let harm, who let harm happen to these women do not get to be in a place where they're making decisions about who is in contact with these women ever again. That is accountability. And that is why we have to focus on our energy on getting these people in charge out of there. I don't care if the NWSL has to start over with an entirely new staff. I don't care. The fans will come back. We will keep spending money. The sponsors will come back. The players are the stars. They're fine. These people have to go. Yeah. I think that the NWSL is in a position now where they can, not easily, but certainly weather the storm. I think, and they talk about this again in the athletic article, how in, you know, we've had, we've had, this would be the third women's league, right? And even Alex Morgan, I think it's Alex Morgan talks about in the article, how there was this feeling that this was the last shot to have a club, um, club teams in the U S three and done is kind of what it felt like. Uh, and so if this one didn't survive, there may not be a women's professional league in the U S but we're in a place and in a position, I believe in the end of cell, what nine years in now where we can weather the storm. And I think you have, especially because you have the fans, you have the players, you have, um, plenty of people in, in positions throughout that, aren't going to let this thing go down. So you do need to clear house at the top and then, and rebuild and rebuild. Yeah. I really, I think that's such an optimistic way to look at it of like, it'll be fine. You can do this change and the league will be okay. I I really hope that's true. I think it is. I mean, now more than ever, right? 2020 was, I mean, a tough year for most things, but a banner year for women's soccer. I mean, the NWSL drew, you know, the highest, um, not crowds, but uh, obviously, but the highest um, views and stuff like that. You know, people were tuning in. They were watching these women play. Um, and even now that crowds are back in stadiums, you're seeing the fans come out. So I were they've had a very good year. I mean, the Challenge Cup was a huge success. We've had multiple other successes where these women can carry it on their own now. They, let's get out the top. Also, we need to, I just have to, how did Paul Riley impregnate a woman during the Challenge Ugh. Cup? I thought it was a bubble. It wasn't during the, I guess they it was met a, during yeah, the Challenge met, Cup, but sorry. how did he meet someone? Unless they're in the, they were in the bubble. Like, oof. so what is that woman experiencing right now? I don't know. I feel very sorry for her. Yeah. Oof. Man. Yeah. I I think that there's hopefully, I mean, right, a lot of um, uh, good that can come from this, a a reckoning and some transformation because it's deeply needed. I really do hope 
that it happens, I'm feeling very nervous about it not happening. But I also trust the players so much. I think that they have such a good understanding of what justice looks like. And I think there's some great leaders and I I respect them to pursue what they need to pursue doggedly. If they have to strike, I hope they strike. I was overjoyed that they didn't play those games that weekend. I, I can't imagine anyone giving them guff for that, but that was the right thing to do. Uh, so anyways, I hope the players can lead the charge. They shouldn't have to, but I think they will. Because literally everyone in charge has to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was super proud of Alex Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool to hear kind of about what she's been doing behind the scenes and both just supporting her fellow teammates, uh, one, uh, but also two, she seems like she was very instrumental. The three, you know, Shim and um, Morgan were very instrumental in uh, pushing through the new um, anti-harassment policy. Because, And again, let's just talk about that for a second. So the league is in existence for eight years and Alex Morgan asked for, um, you know, a a policy governing the treatment of players. They hand her, as it says, like a a couple page booklet um, and it has nothing about protecting the players. It's about protecting the club, protecting the teams, protecting the league, something about social media. She said Um, there's nothing at all in it about player protection. And so it took to year nine or so to get a policy that actually protects the players what who, who the league is about like I, that that blows my mind that blows my mind yeah that was really awful to read that's shocking and i also you mentioned just before we started recording i think we are obviously we're in a very different time than we were what 4 years ago me too was 2017 yeah I think a lot of the way we think about, well, like one thing about this discourse that we're having right now is that no one is saying, I don't believe these women, right? It's like, we all understand that this happened, that Paul Riley is a predator. This is what a predator looks like. This is how a predator makes you doubt the women, right? Like we all understand that now. That is not what this dialogue is about. This dialogue is about like how systemically this happened and I think before 2017 one of the reasons it was so hard to talk about these things was because you were just like "Mm, is that true I'm not saying us or whatever but people in general that was more of the narrative so I think it's like it's good to keep in mind how different things have been in a post me too world right which is why I think when both Shim and Fairley reached out to Lisa Baird this spring in both March and April again with this information again with these concerns because you know he's now been at the courage for several years they put through the anti-harassment policy this spring like all of that kind of came together at the same time and they reached back out saying hey this is what was happening this guy is still out there i'm sure doing a lot of the same stuff uh can we talk about that and they were shut down completely and i think that is in a post me too world Right. That's maybe the most shocking thing of all is that Lisa Baird wasn't like, oh, I'm putting this in an email and ignoring it. I'm going to get fired. Right. Like she should have. What was she thinking? That is truly puzzling. I don't know if some (laughs) lawyer was telling her not to say something, but I am sort of most surprised of all that she 
that she had the response she did, which leads me to believe that she's either completely incompetent or something else is going on. A true culture of silence. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's just dumb. I don't know. That might be the best outcome for her. How sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How sad. I feel like they've, the other thing that kind of miffs me a little bit is, you know, we have heard about this anti-harassment policy. There have been several instances um, in the past season or two where stuff has come, stuff has come up, um, and they've referred to this document or they've said we're we're doing this because of X Y Z, and yet, like, a they're still we still don't know what's going on. Like this, the silence. Um, they, they say that we've conducted an investigation and found X, Y, Z, period. Like, there's nothing else. Um, and then the fact that you have this policy that you're, like, touting and, like, you're, like, posting it on social media and stuff, and yet there is these these absolute get, predators, uh, aggressors in the league that have been acting freely for so long. I just, it blows my mind the it's just oh man it, it's ironic but irony is often funny a little bit and this is not funny <laughs> yeah it's just horrible I I don't know I guess I'm kind of out of words about it I know I do want to say I guess also all right here's more words I do think that maybe, like, as a fan, I sometimes feel guilty, right, for for supporting the courage or being like, oh, Paul Riley is such a great coach. Right? You feel guilty. I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way, but I'll just say it in case you are. But I just want to say that, like, we shouldn't feel guilty. It's okay to feel guilty, but, like, we didn't do anything wrong as fans. It's It's not our responsibility. This is why sweeping systemic abuse under the rug is so terrible because uh, it just, it touches everyone. So don't, don't let it kill your spirit as a fan. Like you can still believe in these teams and believe in these players. I think. Yeah. I think that's really, I think that's very true. I love um, at the very end of the article, um, Fairly talks about how, you know, what they've experienced has been institutional betrayal. And I think that, I mean, she's like, there's a term for this and this is what it is. And I think that's very valid. And I think, you know, everybody has been betrayed by this, mostly the players, but also the fans and also those that have that have worked in this league and are trying to do the right thing and are doing everything they can for these players. So it's it's betrayal at a lot of different points. Um, Obviously, the players uh, at the very top of that list. But, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think don't feel guilty. You didn't, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. Um, I also want to say too, like, just to try to make this more intersectional, I can't believe the part of the article where the Thorns front office called, was it fairly or shim in to be like, please don't talk about your sexuality. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is just abuse on another level. Um, I do think that like Paul Riley seems to target players who are queer 
and it's really disgusting and also just really disheartening in another way. And also it's like Portland, man. So it's like right. Portland in, in 2015. Come on. God, use it as a selling tool. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Excuse me. But you know what I mean? It's just like, what was what was happening? And I, I feel so sorry for it all for these players on, on that level too, because that couldn't have made it any easier. It must have made it 10 times harder. Yeah. Yeah. I found that interesting. I mean, reading throughout, I don't know. Again, we've said, I think he's done this to other players, but he does seem to target the queer players. It's like a weird kind of sick obsession he had. I mean, he's just, the whole thing is so sick. Maybe he can use it to make them easier targets, like, which is sad in and of itself. But I, yeah, I don't know. It was really horrible. And it also makes me wonder, like, I just wonder what, you know, um, BIPOC players are, are experiencing that they haven't come forward with as well. And yeah, I don't know. I yeah. hope more players, if they want to share, feel comfortable sharing now things that are going on like just let's let it all come out baby right let it all come out because as i said earlier i think that the league can weather the storm um because of the players because of the fan base and i think what a lot of them are talking about you know five years ago they didn't know if the the league could weather the storm and that's why a lot of them were told to stay quiet and that breaks my heart they were basically kind of told you know be grateful you even have a league Yes, you're making 20000 a year. Yes, you're being <laughs> physically, or not physically perhaps, but you know, sexually abused or you are being you know, manipulated. But at least, you, at least you get to play soccer. Like what kind of a sick <laughs> oh my gosh. world is that? I feel like this is just such a theme of this year too of like I, sports is entertainment. It's like a movie, right? Like I don't want Harvey Weinstein to like – hurt women to make a better movie or so also that's a false equivalence but like it's sports don't yell at anyone i don't right. want anyone to feel sick and play i don't want anyone to get yelled at and play i don't right. care if the soccer is like a little worse or something i don't care right i don't care i don't want to win at all costs right it's an i don't know really what i was listening to a podcast um, that I've been listening. It's been an ongoing series, and they talked about Bobby Knight. I don't know if anybody listening to this podcast knows who Bobby Knight is. He oh, was, I know who Bobby Knight is. He threw the chair. He did throw the chair. Uh, men's basketball, Indiana University. Uh, he was like a a legend. He was a god in men's basketball, college college basketball, and slightly different but but also and and there's a lot of parallels like the I don't think there was any type of sexual abuse but there was I mean he choked a player he slapped a player like the abuse that went on in that team for for years and years and years I mean the mental health repercussions um to the players the abuse that occurred um to win right it was do the ends justify the means and no no, they don't I think that's exactly what you're saying. You don't to it's win at all cost. Right, right, exactly. And I know I think we live in a world where um, we have been conditioned to say, yes, you win at all costs. You know, you win the Super Bowl, you win the the World Cup, you win, you win, that's what you do. 
Um, but I think, you know what, on that same note, I think this is a really poignant moment with Simone Biles in the Olympics and where she, you know, said, no, I'm putting myself first. Um, I'm not winning at all costs because I could very well kill myself attempting to win at all costs. So I think we're seeing right now a bit of, I keep using the word reckoning. It's a little intense, but like, I think we're seeing a reckoning in sports too, where hopefully mental health and player, the player, the person is put above the sport. Um, Yeah. Especially, gosh, for little girls out there who look up to these players who are hoping to play in the NWSL one day, hoping to play for the national team one day, like do it for them, do it for yourself, first of all, because you deserve better, way better, um, and then do it for them. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. I, I think we have to be hopeful, right? We've seen so much crummy, just absolute disasters this past year and a half. So I'm hopeful that this will begin the, be the beginning of some true change, Um, And it starts with everybody who was involved leaving. Yeah. It's better that we know than not knowing. Definitely. And yeah, let's see some accountability. I think that's a good place to leave it. Sad we had to have this conversation, but it's, it's good that it's, that it's happened. So if you have any, thoughts, opinions, feelings, you can share them with us at settle the score podcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at scorepod or Instagram us at scorepod. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, stay tuned. If you are able to continue to absorb this type of news and information, there's still a lot that's coming out and a lot that's ongoing. Um, so stay tuned to, to the social media as you can. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll see more good come from this. Thanks for listening. Bye.